Hello everyone, welcome back to the Harvard Legal Aid Bureau's Alumni Spotlight Series. Our guest today is Michael Luskin, who founded his own law firm, Luskin, Stern, and Eisler. I hope you enjoy. Oh, I want to thank you for taking a couple minutes to talk to me today. Oh, my pleasure. Just to start, maybe you can introduce yourself the year you graduated from Harvard Law School and your current job. Sure. I'm uh, Michael Luskin. I graduated in 1977 when dinosaurs roamed the earth. It was a very different law school then than it is now. Uh, I have been in private practice uh, since graduating uh, and at my own firm, a small uh, nine-lawyer firm, for the past 30-plus years. As of next week, we're located in White Plains, New York. Do you have a favorite case or moment, any memorable experience when you were at ACL? Well, I have. I, I do. My cases at Legal Aid stuck with me then, and some of them have stuck with me forever. I mean, it's been over 40 years, and I can still recite case names and file numbers. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It does illustrate the impact that the work has. Uh, uh, and I think that's because it's such important work. It makes such a difference to legal aid clients' lives, the work that the students do. I mean, uh, the example I'm thinking of, it was a uh, single woman with four kids, um, disabled kids, cerebral palsy, um, serious medical conditions, uh, serious, uh, basically, poverty conditions, welfare, housing. Um, she was uh, herself an alcoholic. Um, and I spent the better part of um, two years fighting, first with Mass General Hospital to get the release of medical records, second with the Social Security Administration to get SSI benefits for her kids and uh, benefits for herself, uh, fighting with uh, the Commonwealth over welfare benefits, fighting with her landlord uh, in court um, with what we, we then call the Section A constructive um, uh, eviction case. I don't know if the, how they're referred to now, but uh, litigating in court to, uh, uh, to keep her apartment. Um, I recruited a classmate, another Legal Aid Bureau uh, member's husband, who was a physician or an intern, a resident uh, downtown to um, help advise on how to deal. Actually, he's the one who diagnosed the alcoholism um, and uh, to help get her treatment for that. Um, and uh, uh, this involved, as I said, it involved administrative uh, 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 engagement with Social Security and, and uh, um, Mass General, which is essentially like dealing with the government. Uh, and then appeals, litigation beyond that. We had administrative appeals through Social Security on the SSI, but and we had litigation in uh, landlord-tenant court on the apartment. Um, all successful, all took years, um, all took hours and hours. Um, oh, and I forgot the uh, the most dramatic aspect of it was that the Commonwealth commenced uh, what was then called a C&P, a care and protection proceeding to um, uh, obtain custody 
uh, of the four children. Um, so we had a trial in, um, I, I want to say it was in probate court, in surrogate court, but um, I don't remember. I do remember it was a lengthy trial. Of, you know, it took better part of a week against uh, an array of uh, lawyers from the attorney general's office. And uh, and this was me doing all this, a second-year, third-year student. So uh, I probably got more experience in, uh, you know, more litigation experience in, in uh, on that case than I, than I got in the next 20 years of my practice. But, um, you know, the important thing is in this particular case is that every single thing that I was handling for this family was life or death. I mean, it mattered. Frankly, in ways that um, uh, a lot of what I do now for you know big commercial clients, you know, doesn't matter. I'm billions of dollars at stake, and sure that matters. But no one's getting thrown out of their house. No one's losing custody of their kids. Um, no one's health is being compromised. So uh, very, very different. But um, the um, sort of the underside, or the other side of this story. And I remember that it was Thanksgiving weekend, my scene, my third year. Um, it was uh, we were scheduled. The C and P trial was scheduled to start the Monday after Thanksgiving. Um, I had met with the client the Tuesday, Wednesday before the holiday. Client called me at home Sunday night, completely drunk, out of her mind. This is trial was to begin, you know, twelve hours later, um, and. You know, discouraging to tell you the least, uh, and it it sticks with you. I mean, part of the problem, my own problem, is uh, um, I I was incapable of drawing down a curtain between work, the legal aid bureau cases, and my home life, my private life. Have you developed yeah. any skills to help with that? Yes and no. I mean, in my own. You know, I dealt with it in a way that's not really satisfactory, I think. I dealt with it by deciding that I was not going to go into legal aid or criminal defense work um, because I was just uh, too afraid I would never be able to leave it at home and it would it would just torment me. Um, and I found other ways to do my pro bono and you know, serve the community and so on. Um, my advice, um, and I'm not sure that I'm the right one to be giving advice on this, is uh, you do have to find a way to deal with it. I mean, I'm not the only one that feels this way. This is a very common thing. I'm certain, and I'm sure that there are professionals who deal with it, and I would encourage legal aid or the law school to make available to uh, students, to participants, um, you know, professional resources, uh, psychologists, whatever it is, um, to incorporate it into the curriculum, uh, because I think it's something that needs to be confronted and dealt with, and there are, you know, better ways to deal with it than just shutting the door on legal services, which is, I'm not proud to say, but it's what I did. Many students are going through what you've been through currently, and so to have your very personal and honest advice is really going to help them. It was uh, it was an eye opener for me. Um, it really it really was. Now, um, you know, the good 
the good aspects about, uh, I mean, the great aspects about legal aid, apart from learning how to um, deal with clients, learning how to litigate, learning how to use the court and the administrative system is uh, at least good as far as I'm concerned. It probably accounts for my complete inability to work in a large corporate type environment. Uh, you know, I'm at a small law firm that uh, my partners and I founded 30 plus years ago. Um, and the wonderful thing about working in a small environment is that you, you know, I have control over who I work for and what I work on and so on, very much as I did at Legal Aid, where I was working on my own. I had colleagues, you know, probably nine or ten colleagues that I routinely consulted. I had a supervisor, but I think I consulted my colleagues more. You know, we shared case information with one another. Um, and and that's pretty much the kind of work environment that I've had my whole life. And did being at the Legal Aid Bureau prepare you for starting your own firm I think the most important lesson I learned at Legal Aid and combination of Legal Aid and the Lawyer and Process course was listen to your client. I still remember and I still use an exercise we did at Legal Aid where uh, as part of the training, uh, this lawyering process course, where we had um, uh, uh, simulated client interviews. The course had hired actors to, to serve as clients. There were case files. Um, and we as you know newbies, as these uh, raw recruit students, uh, lawyers-to-be, um, our task was to do the intake interview. And it was videotaped um, back in the days of video. Um, and then we watched the tape, and we were asked to take a, while, a clock, a watch, and out of the, the 20 or 30-minute interviews, I think there were 20-minute interviews, figure out how much time the client was speaking and how much time you, the lawyer, or would-be lawyer, were speaking. And it's an astounding lesson because most of us couldn't keep our mouths shut, even though, of course, the exercise was to get information from the client. And there was a sort of, we, we then got to see the cheat sheet that the client used, which had all of the facts laid out. And... Uh, uh, very few of us were able during those 20 minutes to elicit those key facts because we wouldn't shut up. We weren't asking, you know, open-ended questions. What do you want? You know, what happened next? Who else knows? Are there any documents? Things like that. Uh, very powerful lesson. As you can see, it's 40 years later. I can still recite it, um, and I still use it when I train people. Knowing what you know now, your experience at the bureau, working at a big law firm, now starting your own firm, what is a piece of advice that you would give to current HLOP students or young attorneys in general? Certainly, you know, look, if they're already at the bureau, they've, they've taken my first piece of advice, which is no matter what area of law you think you're going to go into, you know, it could be estate planning, do clinical work, learn what it's like to solve a real problem for a real person. So that, I think, is the most important piece of business. You really lose sight of that. It's really easy to lose sight of that at Harvard Law School, you know, sitting in a classroom with these very self-absorbed, incredibly bright professors going over points of law that, you know, 
may or may never matter, may or may not matter ever again, who knows. But it's very, very different when you're sitting across the table doing an intake interview with someone who's about to be thrown out of an apartment. And that's a life-learning experience that every lawyer should have. Another piece of advice I would give is to be open-minded about career choices. You know, Harvard Law through graduates, you don't have to go clerk for a judge and then go to work for a big New York City law firm. Uh, there are alternatives. Um, and you can be very, very successful and very, very satisfied with your profession doing a lot of other things. And frankly, it's a lot more important, I think, to decide whether or not well, to decide what kind of environment you're going to be happiest in. Are you going to be happiest working for, you know, a, a public agency that has very, very strict rules and there's really no room for sort of pushing the envelope? Or are you going to be happy at a big law firm where, you know, you get lots of interesting cases and some pretty bizarre people perhaps? Uh, maybe you'll make some friends for life and maybe you'll get really well trained and and succeed even though the odds are so overwhelmingly against it um or maybe you're best off working in a small environment like legal aid and uh, uh like harvard legal aid or you know like my firm that there are plenty of small firms that give very different kinds of of experiences for young lawyers but i think the advice i would give is that regardless of where you go after graduation, whether it's a big firm, the government, little firm, legal aid, whatever, is um, do a reset at year three. Look around, see what else is out there. Do a real, a real deep dive into what you're doing. Are you happy? Is this where you thought you'd end up? Uh, is this where you want to be? Um, is the money really that important? You're going to learn a lot more during the first two years after you graduate, a lot more about yourself and what you want and what kind of job makes you happy and what kind of work doesn't make you happy. You're going to learn a tremendous amount in those two years. And um, at the end of them, you owe it to yourself. I think this is me preaching. I think you owe it to yourself to take a good, hard look around. You know, what are your friends doing? Are they happy? Are you happy? I mean, those are important questions to ask and um, my experience again going back decades now is that uh, I was astounded two years three years out how many of my friends my colleagues my classmates from law school were just sort of frozen deer in headlights they they hated their jobs but they were paid a lot of money and they were afraid that if they did anything, they wouldn't make as much money or they'd screw their chances of future advancement somehow. And it is just astounding to me that they could feel that way. And I'm going to go back to what I said a few minutes ago. This is the best and the brightest. I mean, these are Harvard Law School graduates. What in God's name are they afraid of? This was such a pleasure to hear all of your advice uh -huh. and personal experiences. Thank you. Take of care. Course.